Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Dan's Miscellaneous Ramblings. Frankly, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't think you can hear me. Uh... Okay. Um... Let's try this. Oh, wait, hold on. Did I don't know if I can. Okay, I think I fixed it. Am I like really loud? Uh, that's that's my next question. Am I really loud? Uh, uh okay. Judging by the not answer, all right, perfect, absolutely great. That's exactly what I want to hear. Hey, hey, welcome back to Dan's Miscellaneous Ramblings. Blah blah. I think it's episode two hundred fifty-six or something like that. Um, welcome. This is going to be the Kettering Bug episode, alright? Now, uh, let's just take a moment and think. Do you like bugs? I'm a little bass boosted today? What, what does that even mean? Hold on, let me try something. Okay. Uh, am I less bass boosted now? We're doing AV, just... Not AV, is it AV? No. Okay. I'm still bass boosted? Oh my god. Uh, try that. Is that better? Am I still bass boosted? Better. Okay, perfect. I'm not entirely sure what's happening, but it's fine. Anyway, let's think for a moment. Do you like bugs? I'm not in a cave. No, this is just my room. This isn't even at the frat house with all the echo. This is this is just... What do you mean I sound like I'm in a cave? Is something... Let me check my mic. Alright, try that. Is that better? Am I, do I still sound like I'm in a cave? Is that how we're spending the first two minutes of this episode? This is very unprofessional. I do sound like I'm in a cave... Oh, no, I don't want to continue the podcast if that's how this is going to be. Hold on. I can do this. I can fix this. Am I still bass boosted? Like, do I still sound like I'm in a cave? Uh, I don't know. Bass boosted. All right, whatever. Fine. This is how we're doing this episode now. It's fine. Um, we're talking about the Kettering bug, okay? So, let's try and get back to my original question. Do you like bugs? This is just an open question. I hope you've been thinking about it, because uh, I've been fixing this audio for three minutes now. Well, the Kettering bug is not actually a bug, so if you don't like bugs, good for you. If you do like bugs, sorry about that. Um... The Kettering Bug is actually an experimental unmanned aerial torpedo. Um, that was like the first. Uh, it was a, it was basically this rocket thing that allowed a pilot to control the rocket after launch with the use of radio waves. So it was better than just like launching a bomb, and it could uh, go way further. It had a striking range of. 121 meters or kilometers or 75 miles from its launch point and could travel at up to 50 miles an hour or 80 kilometers per hour. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, 
one, actually, this one wasn't controlled by radio waves, but it inspired ones controlled by radio waves. Um, it was a secret weapon made by Britain in 1917. Alright, so it's it's a little tiny plane. Alright? The rocket is not shaped like a bug. Um, unfortunately. They just called it the bug. I'm not entirely sure why they called it that. It was originally called the Kettering Aerial Torpedo off of Charles Kettering of Dayton, Ohio, um, who designed it. But later it became known as the Kettering Bug, built by the Dayton Wright Air Airplane Company. Orville Wright, you know, one of the two people who invented the airplane, acted as an aerial aeronautical consultant on the project, while Ember Ambrose Sperry designed the control and guidance system. Um, a piloted development aircraft was built as the Dayton Wright Bug. I don't know why it was called the Bug. I mean, it's just because it was, like, a lot smaller than normal planes, because it wasn't designed for anyone to sit in it, because it's literally just a bomb with wings, pretty much. Um, basically, what this bomb was designed to do was it was designed to... Wait, I'm saying bomb a lot. I'm going to get on a watch list, aren't I? Ugh, that's going to be annoying. Alright, I won't do anything illegal for a little while. Anyway, how it works is basically the... The, the guidance systems were, like, very, very uh, rudimentary, we'll say. So they'd aim the bug at the target, take into account the wind speed and stuff, and basically measure how fast the bug would have to track itself going, taking into account air resistance and stuff, and they set a little dial on the, on the bug so that when the proper amount of air resistance happened uh, for like a long enough time, it it would release the like the wings would just fall off and it would begin to just begin to descend into a free fall, and then it would just drop on its target, um, which is <sighs> very very rudimentary. It's a very caveman approach to <laughs> dropping a bomb. Um, so the Kettering Bug was obviously not very good at its job. It was super, super expensive, and they made, what's up, they had produced about 45 by the time the war ended, and it remained a secret till World War II. It had two successes out of six attempts at Dayton, Ohio, one success out of four attempts at Amityville, Amityville, and... 4 out of 14 at Karlstrom. So, really bad track record. Also, hello to anyone who's in the live chat right now. Uh, welcome. Uh, I had a thing to say. Oh, yeah. Um, if you have the Podbean app, you can listen to the live chat, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you can join my Discord, which is linked in the description of all the episodes, which is pretty fun. Um, there's a, apparently the counting channel has been going off on that Discord. They're at 136. I'm actually going to make 137 right now. Boom. Um, so, that's a fun thing. Do you have any questions? There's a questions channel where you can just ask things. Um, oh, there are no new questions. I've answered all the ones that are in there. Oh, well. Anyway, let's keep talking about the Kettering Bug, shall we? Um, from... April 1917 to March 1920, the U.S. government spent about $275,000, or in today's money, about $3,550,000 on the Kettering Bug. Um, 
Let's see. During the 1920s, what had become the U.S. Army Air Service continued to experiment with the aircraft until funding was withdrawn. Which is kind of fun. The first flight of it was in 1918 on October 2nd. And it was a failure. It climbed way, way, way too steep after takeoff, stalled, and then crashed. So, if you don't know what airplane stalling is, um, basically, if an airplane decides to go up too steep, they, like, you know how, like, they have to tilt upwards a little in order to go higher in altitude? If they try and do that too fast, if they try and go too steep, then uh, gravity won't support under, like, what's called the lift won't support under the wings enough, and it'll just sort of fall. Stalling is a really, really bad thing. It's not what you want. But luckily, uh, airplane pilots are, like, pretty good about not stalling. It's mostly, like, military craft where you have to maybe worry about stalling. But now jet fighters are pretty much immune to stalling because they just move so fast. You've never been... All right. Sophia has never been on a plane in the live chat. That's, that's wild. I have been on a plane, and I think they're kind of fun. I think if I were on a plane all the time, they would lose, like, the novelty. Um, okay, apparently most of the live chat has just not been on a plane. Um... The planes, like, they're kind of fun. It's really neat to see yourself up in the air so high and, like, see the ground so tiny. But, like, I don't know. Like, my, my dad would take the train to work, to and from work, every day for years and years and years. It's only recently that he stopped doing that because he has a job that's way, way closer to home. But being on a train wasn't really fun for him. But being on a train was super fun for me because I was not on a train often. I'm still not on train often. So, it's because it's of the novelty of it. So, being on a plane, I'm assuming the same way. I've been on a plane, but was told to use the toilet. I mean, plane toilets, uh, they're fine, I guess. Uh, some people are scared of using plane toilets, but... Uh, I don't know. They, they're, they're fine. I don't really have any comments on them. <laughs> Sorry for being a terrible podcaster here. Um, there's a full-size reproduction of the Kettering Bug apparently on permanent display in the National Museum of the United States Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. Um, it was constructed by museum staff members and went on display in 1964. So if you want to see a model of it, you sure can. It was 3.8 meters in length, or 12 foot 6. 4.5 meter wingspan, or 15 feet, 2.3 meter height, or 7 foot 8 inches, uh, 240 kilograms of weight, or 530 pounds. So I could mean like a couple other people could lift this thing up. Um, and apparently it's a 1 by V4 piston engine, which was 30 kilowatts or 40 horsepower. That's fun. I like seeing the... Are we, are we talking about the plane toilets? Oh my god. Okay. Um, a plane toilet, yes, one with no fancy decor. Fine, you get in, here, I'll give you a comedy button for that. Okay. Um, they do planes, you know, I'm looking this up. Do planes drop poop? Okay, there we go. Google search. Aircraft lavatories typically store sewage in tanks to be disposed of after the plane has landed. However, 
if it does leak from the plane, it does normally freeze instantly due to the cold temperatures. So, no, they're not allowed to dump their waste tanks in mid-flight, and they have no mechanism to do so. Sometimes leaks do occur, but they're very rare. You're probably not going to have airplane poop dumped on your head. And if you did, it would be like little frozen bits. There. I hope you're happy. <laughs> um... <laughs> Great, now my now the chat is just blowing up about Frozen. Oh my god. This is, we like to have fun around here. If anyone wants to call into the show and lose their mind about airplane excrement, uh, poopsicles, as one person so quaintly puts it, thank you. <laughs> um, feel free, I'll be watching the live chat. <laughs> We only have, like, two more minutes of podcast left, so. Um, apparently, blue ice, there's a term for it. It's called blue ice. Um, in the context of aviation, at least, it's frozen sewage material that has leaked mid-flight from commercial aircraft lavatory waste systems, a mixture of human bio waste and liquid disinfectant that freezes at high altitude. The name comes from the blue color of the disinfectant. Wow. They're not allowed to do it, but it happens sometimes. There are at least 27 incidents documented of blue ice impacts in between 1979 and 2003. They typically happen under airport landing paths as the mass warms sufficiently to detach from the plane during its descent. A rare incident of falling blue ice causing damage to the roof of a home was reported on October 20th, 2006 in Chino, California. A similar one was reported in Leicester, UK, in 2007. Um, so, yeah, well, now we're talking about a, a different type of bombs, yeah. Um, November 1971, a chunk of ice tore a large hole in the roof of the Essex Street Chapel in Kensington, London. It was one trigger for the demolition of the building, called that an act of God. Um, November 2011, a chunk of ice the size of an orange broke through the roof of a prize at house in Germany. A football-sized one in February 2013 um, smashed through a conservatory roof in Clanfield, Clanfield Hampshire, causing around 10,000 10, pounds of damage. October 2016 had one that tore a hole in a house in Amstelveen. Two incidents in May 2018, they fell onto... They fell onto residents in Kelowna, British Columbia. And finally, November 2018, a chunk of ice fell from the sky and crashed on the roof of a home in Bristol, England. <sighs> wow. Yes, please, please start a poo cast. That is what we need to see. Oh my god. Uh, if you want to be a part of this great uh, chat experience, get the Podbean app and join my Discord and stuff. Okay. It's a dangerous to the aircraft itself, too. In all Boeing... What's up? There was three very similar incidents where Boeing 727s had leaking lavatory hit one of the engines mounted at the rear of the aircraft, causing power loss. Um, 
the into popular cultures, the 2003 season three finale of HBO television series Six Feet Under. So, if you're watching that, please turn off my podcast now. A foot-sized chunk of ice drops on a woman, killing her. Apparently, apparently, this happened in a lot of things. It is a cause of death in season four of A Thousand Ways to Die, apparently. I don't know what these things are. I'm going to stop spoiling things now.